Welcome to Indispensable, where we provide you with evidence-based medication advice so that you can feel empowered about your own health. I'm your host, Anna Barwick, and I'm an experienced clinical pharmacist, academic and PhD candidate. Join me as we hear from the medication experts, pharmacists. Episode 12, Sleep Apnea, Cutting Through the Noise. Nan is a pharmacist from Perth, WA. He was born in Vietnam and completed high school in Singapore and then a Bachelor of Pharmacy in Perth. Nan was a very active student during university and was the president of WAPSA, the Western Australian Pharmacy Student Association, and also a, and also a board member of the National Pharmacy Student Association. Nan's been practicing for over three years and is really enjoying being a pharmacist. He's passionate about educating patients on general health information, and he also hosts a podcast called Breaking the Capsule with his pharmacist friend Ishan. Also, very passionate about sleep apnea as it's one of the most underdiagnosed conditions. Hi, Nan. Thanks so much for joining us on the Indispensable. Hi, how are you? Yeah, good. Happy to Thank be here. Awesome. That's so good. And so today you're going to be telling us a little bit more about sleep apnea. So Nan, tell us what is sleep apnea and what are some of the risk factors we might expect? Um, sleep apnea is normally, as before I even dive into it, I normally talk about sleep cycles because sleep mm -hmm. cycles is um, very relatable to sleep apnea. So in terms of sleep cycles, um, with the uh, there's two main phases to it. There are NREM, which is non-rapid eye movement, and you got REM, which is rapid eye movement. So every night you sleep, you have about four to five cycle of sleep. Um, each of them lasts between one and a half to two hours. So before you go into uh, the stage one of the NREM, there'll be a awakening period. And then you go into stage one where your body starts to get a bit drowsy. Uh, you start falling asleep. But if someone shoves you at that time, you can sort of be waking up easily. And then where you go to stage two, it's normally take about 40 to 60% of your total sleep time. Uh, and then after stage two, you go into stage three, which is normally called as deep sleep. This is um, normally take about 5 to 15% of your sleep. Um, every night um, it's not as long as stage two but it's very crucial because this is where your body is in like full relaxed mode your muscle being relaxed uh, your brain wave is slow basically is your you are just being reset after a long hard day at work and ready for the next day and then after that you go into REM sleep which is rapid eye movement and then you redo that over and over again um, so sleep apnea tend to happen during the deep sleep. That's when your body is at the most relaxing state. That's what I said. Um, so what happened is uh, there's muscle at the back of your throat because it's quite relaxed. So it's caused blockage in the back of the throat there. Uh, so that's caused the obstructive sleep apnea, which is one of the most common types of sleep apnea. There's other types such as central sleep apneas and mixed sleep apnea, but they're not as common. And, you know, when people talk about it in general, it's about obstructive sleep apnea. So in terms of risk factors or what cause it, um, there's a lot of modifiable and non-modifiable. 
So uh, in terms of um, modifiable, you have like obesity, uh, you got um, because the fat gathering in and around the throat in particular, so it just make it easier to block the airway. And then you, you got relaxants such as like alcohol, drugs that cause throat muscle to relax too much. Uh, so like sleeping pills, for example, a lot of them cause a lot of relaxation. Um, and then you got pregnancy. I mean, you know, it's a, it's a happy thing, but, you know, generally after pregnancy finish and you're probably back to normal. Uh, and then we got here like sinus problems. So uh, I normally recommend if someone have like sinus problems, can use nasal spray or uh, the congestion tablet so that you don't get sleep apnea during that time. But if it's a chronic problem, then you have to see a specialist or doctors about that. And then on the other hand, you got non-modifiable. So we got age. So as you reach like older age, um, your throat just become narrower and the muscle tone in your throat decrease. Uh, you could have just a small upper airway. So large tongue or large uh, uvula and excess tissue in the throat as well. Um, or you could just have throat muscle weakness causing the throat or the tongue to relax more than normal during the sleep. So those are the risk factors for the sleep apnea. Okay. And so, so it sounds like basically it's falling over the, over the throat and actually just kind of stopping you breathing during the night. Is that basically what happens? Yes. Yeah, so that's basically what happens. So um, it, uh, I can't really, I know someone who can like uh, make the sounds quite good, but I can't really do it. But uh, <laughs> what generally happened is if, someone like observe you doing your sleep, they will see that you stop breathing for like good five, 10 seconds. And then suddenly you like snore really loudly, just like you gasping for air. Mm. So what happened is basically generally what happened is when, because there's a blockage in your throat, there's not enough oxygen that fit into the brain. And when the oxygen level dropped to a certain level, the brain start to tell the body, okay, uh, you hasn't been breathing enough. You don't have enough uh, oxygen. They sort of start waking you up and so that you can open the airway again and then you just there's a whole influx of air get into your system at that time that's why you can hear that loud like breathing air in or loud snoring in just to get the air and and yeah that must be really disruptive to partners as well too kind of yeah. hearing that sound. Is, yeah. oh my you are, are you alive <laughs> um yeah. so so okay so obviously stopping breathing is not a good thing but what what else does sleep apnea actually contribute to like why is it a bad thing sleep apnea is to be honest one of the most underdiagnosed condition because mm. it's it's not something like uh you know when you have a pain you know oh i'm in pain mm. or if uh don't know, like high blood pressures, you have high blood pressures. But with sleep apnea, you tend to feel like fatigue. You feel like sleepy during the day. And a lot of people are just like, oh, I'm just tired. I just have a bit of Red Bulls, a bit of caffeine, <laughs> nothing majors. Um, or just take, go to the pharmacy and get like some vitamin B, something like that. Uh, but normally sleep apnea, they also come with a few other symptoms as well. Like they tend to have high blood pressures. Mm -hmm. Some people do can get uh, increased risk of getting type 2 diabetes and increase the risk of stroke um, and other cardiovascular problem as well. The reason is because for that is, let's bring back to the sleep cycles, because when you're in deep sleep, you're supposed to be in resting, your heart's supposed to be resting after all days. Like it's still beating, but really slowly. But because there's not enough oxygen, 
your heart needs to work really hard just to get that oxygen pumping in your system. And it's supposed to be resting, but it's been working. So it's just putting a lot of stress into your system and, and it can lead to a lot of others complication with it. Indispensable advice for you. Obviously, you know, being sleep deprived is a real risk anyway, isn't it? I mean, if we're trying to work and, you know, care for others, I mean, being overtired and, and, you know, there's risks there with accidents too, I I imagine. Um, Yeah. Yeah. And so is this more common in men or women? It's definitely more common in men, uh, especially um, since, since you talk about like driving, we have a lot of like, in terms of my my practice, I have a lot of patients who are like truck driver or long distance driver mm-hmm. and they have like really severe sleep apneas and one of the conditions for them to be able to drive and to continue working is to be actually being treated for that. And they normally have to come in and I have to provide them with their sleep apnea um, CPAP machine usage report and then they can bring it to doctors and they can sign off on it. So definitely men is one of the most common ones. Um, because they tend to, uh, you know, like the higher consumption of alcohols and things like that as well. Uh, but I mean, anyone can get sleep apnea, even the children as well. So yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I actually had that in one of my children as well. Yeah, oh. um, which we didn't realize it was all to do with tonsils. Yeah. Yep. So, yep. so and and I think you mentioned there too. So diagnosis, right? You talked about um, a CPAP. What what did you say there? A CPAP. CPAP reading? machine. Or reading. Uh, yep. reading. So what yeah. do you, what have you got, what have you got what somebody got to do to go through and actually be diagnosed and then we, we can talk about some treatments? Absolutely. So um, the first thing is you have to do is I mean if you don't want to see a doctor's yet or you don't want to do anything you can always go online. There's a few questionnaires that you can do it yourself and you can sort of have an idea whether you might have sleep apnea. So um, one of the most common questions is called stop bang. So they will ask you whether you snore or you, um, anyone observe you stop breathing during your sleep or you know you fall asleep in the meetings or at the traffic light, things like that. And then you got the Epsworth uh, questionnaire as well. So very similar. You can have a vague idea of where you are at in terms of sleep apnea. And then cool. after and that, say, can, we'll pop them in the show notes so that people can have, you know, yeah. have a go to. Yeah, perfect. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> uh, and then um, after that, the, you, you'll go to the GP or you, uh, to get uh, to ta- chat with them about that. And they will generally give you a referral letter to do a sleep study. Mm-hmm. So in terms of sleep study, there's, you can either do at home or you can do at the sleep clinic. So, uh, sleep clinic, basically you go there, they will put on the device and you sleep at the place and then they'll record the data throughout the night. In terms of at home, so you can either go to a sleep clinic or you can go to a pharmacy, like some pharmacy do sleep apnea study. Um, so same drill, they'll put on all the device with all the wires and stuff like that. Um, I generally tell people like to come as late as possible and because you don't want to go around go around with a bunch of wires and you can tangle yeah. uh, and don't take public transport either. Uh, someone drive you. That's the best thing. Yeah. And, um, and then you bring the device home, uh, sleep with it. Next day you bring back the machines and then we'll uh, look at the data, score it. And then uh, we'll, we can tell you whether you have sleep apnea or not. 
And then do you hear a lot of people say that it's actually really difficult to sleep, you know, with all those things on? I know like I've had some like family and friends that said, I, could, I couldn't sleep. I couldn't sleep like I normally did because I had all this stuff on me. You know, how, yeah. how do you kind of help to reassure people and, and make them feel confident um, in, in the reading that comes from that sleep study? Yep. Uh, funny thing is, I mean, I wanted to experience it myself first when I first learned about it. So I actually put it on myself and I sleep with it that night. It's, um, I don't know, it's a fun experience. Uh, like if the first hour, you just, uh, you have to sort of like sleep still. You can't really toss and turn around. <laughs> and I'm a side sleeper and I have to sleep on my back that night. <laughs> um, but I eventually sleep like just fine. Woke up a few times, but nothing major about it. Uh, I always tell the patients, I, I have some of the sample study, like, you know, cover up the name so there's no like breach of privacy there that I show them what sort of information that I, it can, that it can come from the sleep study. Mm-hmm. Um, and they realize that, you know, a lot of in, very useful information as well, not just about whether you have sleep apnea or not. It can talk about your sleep pattern, your oxygen level. There's so much information that's just come in that three pages of the reports. Um, so, uh, I told them about that and, um, I told them my personal experience as well, which is, so they know that I have been through it. So they are, so they're more like comfortable to go home and sleep with that. Um, and to be honest, like I've done this for two years and there's not, to be honest, uh, there's not ones that complain much about it. And, um, I don't think I have any negative feedback. Everyone have like either same sleep and some even have a better sleep than they normally have. There you go. Isn't that interesting? And so what's yeah. normally kind of in, involved in that? Is there a cost involved in that sleep study, Nan? Uh, it's, it really depends on where you get it done. So if you go to sleep clinic, uh, there will be a cost involved with it. Um, if you go to some pharmacy, uh, some of them are about billing, uh, which is free. So, But there are two types. I mean, in terms of the wires that I've talked about, there's two sort of, one is a bit simple one where there's only a couple of wires, but the other one, which a lot more wires on it, and that one is generally being bulk billing and that one is free for the patients. But if you don't want so many things on your body and you just want simple one, uh, then you might have to pay for that other yep. options. Okay, and that's, so that's good. At least there is that option there for people. Essential knowledgeable, indispensable, your pharmacist. What, what are some treatments then for sleep apnea? Okay, so treatments, why there are so many options. And if you watch on TV and things like that, I mean, the first thing will come to your mind is the CPAP machines. But yeah. And what does just, CPAP stand for, Nan? Oh, sorry, yeah. <laughs> CPAP is stand for constant positive air pressure. Um, so it's, it's basically a device that blow in positive air into your throat so that you keep the airway open. Um, so it's a, basically nowadays the CPAP machine is the gold standard treatment for that. Prior to the machine came out, surgery was the um, gold standard. However, um, the relapse rate is quite high and you put yourself at risk of like infections and a lot of other stuff. So once the machine came out, not many people do the surgery anymore unless that's the last resort for the patient. Um, 
So let's go back to the machine. So with the CPAP machine, they, there's a lot of brands out there. Like we've got Philips, ResMed, Fish and Parkers, pretty much like a lot of big brands out there. And they are very good with it, with the technologies. Five years ago, the machine is really bulky, really noisy. Um, I got uh, one of the patients the other day. Uh, he just came to the store and just asked about the sleep apnea machine. And then he showed me his old machine and he said like i use it for i bought it for a few thousand dollars and right. only use it for a year because it's just too noisy you just can't deal with it and then i show him the new one and he was so amazed at how quiet it is how small it is and so much more functions that it come with it nowadays because um beside the cpap machine there's an apap machine which stands for automatic positive air pressure so it just I put it as like a smarter version of a CPAP machine. So with the CPAP, the pressure like is constant throughout the night. It stays the same. So if you set it at 10, it will stay at 10. Um, but with the APAP, it's basically it varies. Go up and down, depends on your sleeping pattern. If your apnea gets worse, it will go up by itself. So it's a lot smarter, uh, but definitely it will come with like a higher price tag. Um, and... So that's are the two common ones. Um, for people with a mild case, um, generally the we recommend to do like just some lifestyle modification first, just to see whether it can improve uh, your apnea. So just like general weight loss, uh, try to sleep on the side instead of the back. Um, don't drink as much alcohol or take too much sleeping pill, um, and uh, practice sleep hygiene. Um, and then we can have an, um, a device called EPAP, which is stand for expiratory positive airway pressure. So it's just a small device that fit over the nostril to help keep the airway open. Uh, it's a lot less intrusive than the CPAP machines, and um, but only suitable if you have a mild to like moderate obstructive sleep apnea. And then we got a few others like BiPAP, um, which is bi-level positive airway pressures. We've got adaptive servo ventilations, but those are not as common is, um, and it's more for specific type of uh, central sleep apneas, um, but can also be used for obstructive sleep apnea as well. And then another thing that you can do as well is to use some like oral device. So we've got the mandibular advancement device and the tongue retaining device. So they just basically open your airway by bringing the lower jaw or your tongue forward during your sleep. So sort of keep it open. And there's a new, new thing called sleep apnea implants. So it's very new and it's basically like, uh, ins it's like insertion of a pacemaker system sort of thing that stimulate the muscle to keep airway open so you can breathe during your sleep. So this treatment is approved by the FDA in the US for people with moderate to severe obstructive sleep apnea. I personally haven't seen it in Australia, so it might couple of years to go until that appear in the market. And so that is that so that's surgically inserted then from the sound of that? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, right. That's very interesting. And so, so you've been talking about all of these options. So it sounds like you can get them from like a respiratory clinic after you've been referred or from a pharmacy. Is that right? Uh, yes. So pharmacy, we probably just more on the uh, CPAP machine side because with the oral device and stuff like that, they, you need to actually fit it and you need like 
uh, you probably need to go to a sleep clinic or dentist. They can actually do the, uh, the mold inside your mouth so they can get the right size. Okay, awesome. Oh, well, that's good. So there, there's some options around for people that are, you know, obviously really convenient and others that might take a little bit more time and a little bit more effort as well. Indispensable advice for you. So what are your five indispensable tips about sleep apnea? Okay, so the first tip that I always say is because it is so underdiagnosed and it's so hard to um it's so hard to like know whether you have sleep apnea or not so it's very uh many people don't know about it so you if you feel tired and things like that make sure that you do something about it it's just coffee is coffee is coffee but you know that it can be mean something behind mm-hmm. uh the second tip is sleep apnea can lead to like a lot of serious complication if you leave it for too long. Um, as I mentioned, can lead to like high blood pressures, type 2 diabetes, strokes, and a lot of other problems. So get it fixed as soon as possible. Um, the third one is sleep study can be done at home. You don't have to go to uh, a clinic to sleep in some random random bed. You can do it at the comfort of your house. Uh, the fourth one is at the moment, it might change in the futures. CPAP machine is the gold level, uh, gold, golden standard treatment for uh, obstructive sleep apnea. Um, and it's not as scary as some people made it. Like the technology is so good nowadays. Uh, you will be amazed how good the machine is. You can even have like travel machine, which is tiny and you can yeah, just carry anywhere with it. Um, and the fifth one is to uh, use a stop bang or Appsworth questionnaire, which is can give you a rough idea of whether you have sleep apnea or not. But I mean, you still have to go to see doctors afterwards just to confirm and do a sleep study done. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Nan. So it sounds like things are, have progressed a lot. So even if people have kind of, you know, looked at sleep apnea machines in the past and hated them because they're big and noisy and, you know, suck up a lot of electricity, we've actually seen a, a really great progression. So it's making yep. it far more convenient. I imagine it's also achievable as far as cost. It's probably not yep. as expensive as, as those kind of original machines. Yep. Um, and, and you've just given some options for, you know, just having a look because if you're, if you're feeling really tired and you know you feel like you're not getting rest overnight it's really important to look into that isn't it you shouldn't just accept that or think okay i better have you know some more coffee or you know that's actually not good you're only all you're doing is kind of hiding you know the the cause and and just dealing with the symptoms and and we really need to get to the bottom of it don't we yep definitely Absolutely. Yeah. All right. Thank you so much, Nan, for your time. And thank you so much for all of your um, expertise on this topic of sleep apnea. Thanks, Anna. Uh, pleasure to be here. Indispensable contains general medicine and health advice and is not intended to be a substitute for professional individual medical advice. We endeavour to ensure it is accurate and up-to-date. However, we can't guarantee that it will always apply to you. Always seek the guidance of your pharmacist or other qualified health professional with any questions you may have regarding your health or a medical condition. This episode is brought to you by me, the indispensable pharmacist. Don't forget to subscribe.
searching for Farm Online. That's P-H-A-R-M Online. I'd love to hear your suggestions for the next topic to be covered on Indispensable.